Well, my name is Carlos. I'm the lead pastor at First Family Church Bondurant, if you don't know me. Uh, I was asked to speak tonight. I was told JV goes first and then varsity goes next, so I guess I didn't make the varsity cut this year. Um, if you don't know, we planted a church, actually Ankeny planted First Family Church Bondurant in 2013, and uh, so we just turned five years old last month, so we're grateful for God's faithfulness to us. Um, our first four years, we were part of Ankeny. We were just a separate campus. Elders and deacons oversaw both campuses, and uh, beginning this January, we went independent, and by God's grace, we're doing well, and we're grateful for that. Uh, when we first had our uh, first service back in September of 2013, we started with about 30-plus adults from the Ankeny Church um, who were already in the community, and by God's grace, since that launch date, we're, we average at about 100 uh, people. Uh, I tell people sometimes we're 125 when everybody shows up, but that rarely happens unless we're giving away something. Um, anyway, we currently have three elders and three deacons. Um, but I'm here to tell you, we wouldn't be who we are today if it was not for First Family Church Ankeny. And um, their willingness to nurture and equip us and mentor us in the whole process, and their willingness to lose or subtract people from their own body in order to see multiplication take place in Bondurant. And so for that, those who have been around since the beginning, First Family Church Bondurant is very, very grateful. In fact, they still continue to support us in many ways, and I have the pleasure of studying with Todd, Chris, and Travis every Monday as we continue to preach the same passages and go through the books of the Bible. However, as we consider this matter of multiplication, and I'll be talking about when multiplication comes by subtraction, um, I think it's critical for us to be reminded Who's the one doing the multiplication? You know, we need to be reminded that we're talking about this issue, but we don't multiply the church. We don't grow the church. Now, indeed, we are used by God to grow the church, but he is the one who grows the church, or simply put, as we begin this evening, multiplication is a work of God. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We'll be in several places today. If you have your Bible with you, turn it on or turn to Matthew chapter 16. And this is where we're going to start this evening in this issue that multiplication is a work of God. And it's important to not only know this, but to be reminded of it when we're talking about this issue. So we're in Matthew's gospel, chapter 16, verse 13 right before the Mount of Transfiguration. And we pick it up in verse 13. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, Who do you say the Son of Man is? Or who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, that is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, 
Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Father, guide us in these next few moments into the truth that is declared in this passage and the others that we will look at, to be reminded, to be encouraged that you are the one who is about building your church. In Jesus' name, amen. So notice how in this passage it's very clear that it is Christ, the Messiah, who builds his church. They're in the district of Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus asks his disciples, who are people saying that I am? And we hear this confession of Peter, you are the chosen one. You are the long-promised Messiah of Israel. Jesus says, you didn't come up with that on your own. The Father is the one who told that to you. And then he says, you are Peter, you are Petros, And upon this Petra, upon this rock, I will build my church. I wish I had more time with you just to kind of expand what that really is. Who is the rock that is Jesus is building his church upon? Is it his confession or is it Peter? And I submit to you it's both. Uh, If you look, obviously the gospel is built upon the confession that Jesus is the Christ. No one disputes that. But if you look at the expansion of the gospel from the Jews to the Samaritans and then to the Gentiles, who's always there? Peter, right? So that doesn't mean he's the Pope. It just means he was the first one as the gospel was announced to the different people groups that the gospel would go to. Jesus, it says, he says, I, right? He takes ownership here. It's very emphatic. It's a declaration. He says, I will build my church. And as we see the book of Acts unfold, we see that that's exactly what happened in the early church. He promised to do this, and he did it. So turn to your right, to the book of Acts. We'll be jumping around just for a little while. Acts chapter 2, as we see from the scriptures that Jesus fulfills his promise. So Acts chapter 2, they're in Jerusalem. They had seen Jesus. They're waiting. The Holy Spirit comes down upon the disciples and those who were gathered about 150 in that upper room, they go into the city, Peter preaches this out of this world sermon on who Christ was and what they did to him, and many repent. Look at verse 41, it says, so then those who received the word, that was the sermon, the gospel, the announcement of Jesus, the Christ, The deliverer of Israel, 41, those who had received this word were baptized, and that day were added about 3,000 souls. Now, at this point, the early church, the brethren we gained from Acts chapter 1 and, and 1 Corinthians 15 was about 500. And here we're told 3,000 were added to that number. So it's about 3,500 people, by the way. That isn't a proof text for megachurches. <laughs> that wasn't a megachurch. Those were a bunch of house churches. But anyway, I digress. At that point, it might appear as though maybe they're just counting numbers, right? Maybe that they're just taking a roll, 
and they added to the list. Now, that probably happened because they knew how many were added. However, it is not just a reference to them adding to the list. It is a reference to God adding to his people. But it's not explicitly clear. So if we go to the next one there on the list on the screen, chapter 5, verse 14, it tells us this. After they're preaching the gospel and then they get persecuted for preaching the gospel. In fact, they even get flogged and warned not to preach the gospel anymore. And then in chapter 5, in the early church, two people who lie to the Holy Spirit die. And yet, look at verse 14. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women were constantly added to their number. How about that recipe for church growth? Right? Persecution, people dying, and multitudes will come to know the Lord. I mean, can you kind of see the, the, the fingerprints of God all over this? They're preaching, and then they're People are being added. This has to be God. Fast forward to chapter 11. Look what happened. Look what Dr. Luke tells us in chapter 11, verse 18. Right? So in chapter 11, Luke says this. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God and said, well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Chapter 10, Peter had just gone to the house of Cornelius, non-Jews, hadn't happened yet. So far, only Jews and Samaritans had been saved. He goes to the non-Jew, Cornelius. Holy Spirit falls, people are saved. They go back and they report in Jerusalem, this is what God is doing. And they begin to glorify God and said, not only has he saved us, the Jews, Samaritans, but also the Gentiles. Granted the repentance that leads to life. It is God who does the work of multiplication. Look at chapter 13. Flip your page or scroll down on your smart device. Look at verse 48. Chapter 13, verse 48. This is during Paul's first missionary journey. As he is sent out from the church of Antioch. When the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord as they announced the gospel to them. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread through the whole region. Appointed to eternal life. Who's the one appointing to eternal life? It wasn't them. It was God. It's a work of God. Right? We see it again in... Chapter 14, look at verse 27. When they had gathered the church together, this is them giving the report of what God did on the first missionary journey. The report, to report all the things that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. And one more for good measure, chapter 16. Paul is in Philippi. And there is a woman there. She was a seller of purple. Look at verse 16, verse 14. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God, was listening, and get this, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Who multiplies the church? 
God multiplies the church, not us. It's critical to remember that, right? We can strategize, we can plan, we go out and we preach the gospel as we are commanded to, as we are set apart to do, but it is God who multiplies the church. There's no denying it. Scriptures are clear. This is just a a taste of what the scriptures have to say about God doing the work of multiplication. However, as you know, he does use people or his people. Multiplication happens through people. God does it, but he does it through people. Flip back to Acts chapter 13. Here's an example of it. Here is the church of Antioch. Verse 1. Acts 13, verse 1, now there were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius the Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. When they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. That was the beginning of what we usually call the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Now, this is true of the previous chapters that led up to this point, right? Through the Jews to the Samaritans, God was multiplying through people, and here we see it. He says, set aside for me Saul, who will later be called Paul and Barnabas, to go to the Gentiles. Notice how the church of Antioch was willing to suffer the loss of Paul and Barnabas. Notice their posture of prayer. Notice their humility and their fasting and praying. And when they're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, send Paul, send Barnabas. I have work for them to do. And they go and we know and spread the gospel to the known world. We also see it in reference in Paul's letters. Think of this. There, uh, to Moore, as he went to Colossians. By the way, a little pause here. Can that guy preach or what? Man, I am proud of you. You're doing a great job, man. Warms my heart to see you preach. Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. Paul references, tomorrow was here last night, just as you learned it from Epaphras. That's Paul, who's never seen these people writing to the church of Colossae, never been there. But you learned it from Epaphras, but look at how he speaks of Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant who is a faithful servant of Christ on our behalf. What's he saying? On our behalf. We sent Epaphras to Colossae. He's from there, and he learned the gospel. Where would this probably have happened? In Ephesus, where Paul was there for two years, teaching in the school of Tyrannus, and as he's preaching the gospel, Epaphras happens to walk in one day, we don't really know, but he gets saved, he's mentored, and what happens? They send him back to where he's from. They sent him back, and the church in Colossae is found. We also know that Epaphras had influence in other two cities, Heriopolis and Laodicea. He was sent. We also see this with Timothy. Go to your right a little bit. 1 Timothy chapter 1. In his introduction to this first letter to Timothy, Paul references Timothy in in verse 2. Timothy, my true child in the faith. If you go back to Acts chapter 14, you see that Timothy is saved through the ministry 
of Paul on his first missionary journey. And then he takes him with him on, he come, when he comes back. That's why he calls him my true child in the faith. Look at verse 3. I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on at Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. What did he do? He sent Timothy to Ephesus. God is multiplying his church, but he's doing it through people. You see that? It's true of Titus. Go to your right a little bit. Titus, also, chapter 1, verse 4. Titus, my true child in common faith. Here's another one of Paul's disciples. Verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Who does the multiplying? God. It's very clear. How does he do it? It's through people. He uses people. He uses his people. He uses us. It's that way from the beginning. It continues to be that way. So, if multiplication is a work of God, which it clearly is, and if multiplication happens through people, that is, God's people, what about us? Where do we fit in? Why are we even here? Why are we talking about this issue? What does it mean for us? What do we need to be aware of and what do we need to do if these are true? Here's what, the way I'd put it. Multiplication happens when we pour into people. That's what happened with, you can go, you can tra- actually you can track it all the way from the beginning of the Bible, but Let's talk about the New Testament church. There were those who poured into Paul, and then there were those who Paul poured into, and then they are sent, right? Second, or excuse me, 1 Timothy 2.2, 2, right? The things that you've heard from me, or is that 2 Timothy? I think 2 Timothy, yeah. The things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, he's talking to Timothy, this is Paul speaking, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. They were poured, he was poured into. And he says, Timothy, that's the pattern. Pour into someone else who will pour into somebody else. Mentor them as I have mentored you. Those who initially went with us to Bondurant were poured into here at First Family Church Ankeny. Right? They were, they were mentored. They were leaders. They were servants. They were part of small groups. They served in ministries as they were growing as followers of the Lord Jesus, and when the call came, hey, we're thinking about planting a church in Bondurant, they raised their hand and they say, we'll go. Like I told you, there's like 30 of, about 30 of us. They were discipled, they were mentored, they were poured into. They didn't know it then, but what they learned here, God has been using there. Multiplication happens when we pour into people, right? Ankeny sent one of their deacons with us, David Haynes, right? He was poured into here by the deacons, and he went and has been our deacon there. I was an elder, and they sent me. By the way, long story, but kind of maybe shortened version, I never had plans to stay in Iowa. I thought I was only going to be here for three years. Job transferred me here. 
And when my three years were up, I thought I was going to go back to either the Midwest, or excuse me, the Southwest, or to California. God kept us here. It's eight years ago. I didn't know. At the time, I was received in, started meeting with Todd, Chris, became an elder later, and then I thought I was going back. God had other plans. One of our first, we had a core group of leaders there at the beginning. One of the key leaders of that group was a man by the name of Keith Ryan. He led one of our small groups. He served during that time as we were a young, fledgling church. He mentored people, right? He was poured into here at First Family Church Ankeny. He got saved through our small group ministry. His wife invited him, and he got saved. Remember that? You've heard the story. People poured into him. He grew in Bondurant. Even though he didn't know it, the Lord was about ready to move him. A few years ago, he moved to Nevada for a job transfer. Right? Guess what happens when he gets there? It was hard to lose him, by the way. In fact, he took another family with him. That kind of tells you of the influence he had on people. So he gets to Nevada, starts his new job, plugs into a little church. He was just approved by NAM to plant a church in Nevada. Now, I can't take credit for that, right? No more than any of people here at Ankeny can take credit for that. But guess what? We were a part of that. We were a part of that. Here's my question. Who's pouring into you here at the local church level? Who's pouring into you or who are you pouring into? You never know how God will use you to multiply his people. And the way he prepares people whom he will send or use to pour into those whom he will send is here at the local church level. I am a product of many people. Sometimes I refer to my mentors, the men who poured into me. I didn't know then, neither did they, where I would end up. You never know whether it's just in a Sunday school class, small group setting, that you are pouring into somebody that God will send out to multiply his people. Multiplication happens when we pour into people, right? That's part of the discipleship process. It also happens, and I put, this, put it this way specifically, when we tell others that what God has done and is doing in us. You know what that is? That's the, that's the gospel. That's us speaking the truth of Christ Jesus and him crucified according to the scriptures and telling people this is the impact it's had on my life. This is who I used to be, but Jesus found me. And I am not that person anymore. I am a person who's been redeemed. I've been forgiven. I've been saved. And I'm a person in process. I am growing. This is what he did. This is what he's currently doing. Church of Thessalonica. We don't have time to go there. Chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. Paul tells that young little church, he says, you have become an example to all the believers in the region, essentially. 
And this is what he says. Because, and then he goes, because we can't go anywhere in the region where people don't know about you and how when you turn from idols and embrace God and to what? To serve the living God and to wait for a son from heaven. You know what's going on there? They're telling people, this is what God did for me. This is what God is doing in me. God can do this for you in the, his son, the Lord Jesus. Multiplication happens when we tell others. You see, how it's, you see how that makes it personal, right? When we think of evangelism, we tend to think of like, well, I got to pull out my track and this fake $100 bill and explain to you the four spiritual laws. And th- those are tools, okay? And some of us use them and that's great. But don't forget to personalize that. Hey, here's what it says, and let me show you how this truth impacted me personally. And let me show you how it can impact you personally. What is that? That is the word of the Lord, personalized. That's preaching the gospel. I would say the majority of the growth that we've experienced in Bondurant has been through personal connection. We get some people come every once in a while because they saw our sign, and, and, and those are great. You know, they want people to know where we're in the community and where to go. But like a readers talking about this last night as, as, as elders, it's been through personal connection. People in our church go to other people and say, hey, this is what God is doing in my life. Can I introduce him to you? And then lastly, multiplication happens when we are willing to be sent. We see this in the examples that we saw in the scriptures with Paul and Barnabas. How come they were willing to go? What were they doing? They were praying, they were fasting, they were sensitive to God the Holy Spirit. What do you want us to do? Right? The church in Antioch was blowing up. By the way, I don't know if you know that much about Antioch. It was an exceedingly wicked city. And God was doing a great work there. You could almost think to yourself, why would you send these guys? They, there's so much more work there to do. But these guys were willing to go, and the church were willing to send them. They were sensitive. Right? They were willing to leave their comfort zone. They were willing to leave their own church. They were willing to leave what was familiar to them and be sent for the work that God had them to do. Multiplication happens when us, God's people, are willing to be sent wherever God would send us. Now, that doesn't mean always to another church. That doesn't always mean across the pond to a different culture. It might. Sometimes it just means down the street to your job or to your neighbor. To a relative, to a friend. Our first elder that we recognize in Bondurant is a man by the name of Jamie Alcott. He was with us from the beginning. In fact, he used to attend here in Ankeny. I mentored him. I poured into him. I spent a lot of time with him. Todd spent time with him. Chris spent time with him. Men from this church poured in to, to, to Jamie. He preached for us. He was an elder. 
He led our people. He mentored people. He led our youth ministry. And just recently, the Lord sent him to Minnesota to be lead pastor of a church there. As we were talking with Jamie and about how to figure out if God is sending him there, as he's talking to this church, and it's, it's a great story about how God just ordained all of this. His parents happened to just be vacationing in Minnesota, and they happened to say, we're looking for a pastor, and his mom happened to say, right, coincidence, <laughs> that my son wants to be in the ministry, right? When, when they were there looking for a house, they couldn't find anything, and they just happened to stop at an RV you know, vacation place, and they had a house for lease, owned by a Christian man who gave him a really good deal, right? That just kind of happened. As we were walking with him through this process, it, it came to the point where he admitted, he goes, you know what, it'd be really easy to just stay in Bondurant. I mean, he was flourishing in his ministry. He was leading us. I mean, he was part of our elder team. In fact, when we see him, saw him go, it was hard to let him go. But it came down for him I would be disobedient if I don't go. And he said, I got to obey and be willing to be sent to a place that I've never lived, that are people I don't know, and to be out of my comfort zone. Now you might think, well, you know, he was an elder. He's a he's maybe he's one of those more mature super Christians. You ever met Jamie? He's a regular guy who worked at Mercy Medical. Down to earth guy. Just love the Lord. And he went. Here's my question. I want to leave you with this. If multiplication happens, because God is multiplying, he's using his people, if it happens when we pour into people, when we tell there's what God has done and is doing in us, and when we're willing to be sent, here's my question. Where are you on that? How do you fit into this? If God uses his people and you're here this evening saying, yes, I am a follower of Jesus the Messiah. We just sang to him. Where are you at? Are, are you willing to be sent? Are you willing to go with one of the church plants that's coming up? Are you willing to go on a short-term trip to learn about a different culture to see if God would call you there? Is this being recorded? It is? Okay, then I was going to say something. I won't say it. It wasn't a bad word or anything. It was just, I just got to protect, protect somebody's identity. Sorry. There's a young man here tonight who's going to one of those places in the world at the risk of his own life. You need to talk to him. He's got to stand out there. Willing to be sent. God uses people who are willing to go. God uses people who are willing to pour into other people whom he may call to go. God is willing to use people who tell other people about what God is doing in their life. Where do you fit in? What does God want you to do? Not all of us have to go across the pond, right? Although if you want to go to Central Asia, the horse steaks are really good. But God is calling you to be a part of this multiplication process. Whether you're up here on this platform or you're in the chair or you're anywhere a part of the church. God is calling you to be a part of multiplying his people. 
Where do we fit? What does God want us to do?